Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. American happy Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday, middle of the week, hump day. And welcome to the newest edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where just a few minutes ago, House Oversight Committee Chairman, actually it's House Oversight and Accountability Committee Chairman. I like that word, accountability. It's a word we use a lot at Just the News. Well, James Comer, he announced the official launch of the Biden investigation, seeking bank records from the Treasury Department, other records. It is clear now that he is going to dig deeply and widely into the influence peddling scheme that it seemed to be surrounding the Biden family, Hunter Biden, James Biden. Of course, they deny wrongdoing, but there's so much we've learned from the laptop, so much we learned from the original Burisma investigations that I did back at the Hill in 2019. We are going to drill deeper and deeper with now the power of a subpoena from a congressional committee. That happened just a few minutes ago. We've got a very special guest today, all of them very newsworthy. The former National Security Advisor to President Trump, former ambassador to the United Nations, one of the great security minds in our country. Ambassador John Bolton is going to be joining us in a few minutes. We're going to talk about China the Japanese meetings occurring in America this week with President China, all that went on in Russia and Ukraine and Iran, which is such an important topic for all of us right now. A lot of movement going on there. Then former Congresswoman and presidential candidate Michelle Bachman is going to be in the House. She has been talking about some of the bold things that Republicans need to do to restore confidence in their party, in their brand, in their values, in their promises. One of them deals with, you got it, Mitch McConnell. We're going to talk to her about what she thinks about that. I think we're going to have some big news. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that. And then we're going to finish up the day with a fascinating interview with Phil Klein from the Amistad Project, former Kansas Attorney General. He has been one of the most important voices on election integrity, but he also is a guy who knows what it's like to be an Attorney General, have a sensitive investigation before you, and need to do the right thing to restore public confidence. The question lingers over Merrick Garland. Why hasn't he named a special counsel like he did for Trump to deal with Hunter Biden and now these classified documents in Joe Biden's office. We're going to get the latest in his analysis as a former attorney general of Kansas on what Merrick Garland can do to restore trust, what he might fail if he doesn't do certain things. We're going to get all of that in the final segment of the show today. Very excited about that. Now, before we go to commercial break, I just want to spend a few seconds talking about the revelation about Joe Biden and the classified documents in his Penn Biden think tank center here in Washington, which is an arm of the University of Pennsylvania. 
I have been saying for 24 hours, and it's based on a lot of reporting, that this is much more than just some classified documents in a closet and a hypocrisy issue or double standard issue. Joe Biden waxed Donald Trump for classified documents, and he has some of his own. It's much bigger. It really is in the Penn Biden Center. We have another arm of the family business a business where Joe Biden made a lot of money. He got $900,000 over a couple of years running this center, which, by the way, you don't see a lot of work from. That money comes from a university, University of Pennsylvania, big Ivy League school. That is one of the larger recipients of money from, you got it, China. China, the same country that was spending money and doing businesses with Hunter Biden and James Biden. And it's important to note that one of the biggest moments in the Biden family influence scandal. One of the biggest moments where they're trying to make money off of China is in the spring and summer of 2017. So that's when Hunter Biden's dealing with CEFC and where he's dealing with a guy named Patrick Ho, who later gets indicted, where he's dealing with a Chinese official tied to the CCP named Chairman Yi, who uh, later gets arrested in his own country on alleged allegations of corruption. They're trying to set up a business to buy natural gas and energy assets in the United States and send them over to the Chinese communist government and its companies in that country. Not exactly something that's very fitting for America, but it was going on. And there's a $5 million forgivable loan that basically gets a bunch of cash into the Biden family pockets. That is going on in the spring, summer and fall of 2017. At the same time, Joe Biden is standing up the Penn Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania, where a lot of the China money comes in around the announcement and formation and execution of the Penn Biden Center. So these documents are sitting in an academic center, not very secure, and academic centers, think tanks and universities have been the abject of a lot of China espionage activities, according to the FBI, according to the Justice Department, many big cases. So that is going to expand the ultimate inquiry on this. But why is this even more important? It's more important because the University of Pennsylvania goes to President Biden's administration last year after it got all the China money, after it paid Joe Biden as a private citizen a bunch of money. And it tells the Justice Department, we want you to close down one of the FBI's most important China anti-espionage activities called the China Initiative, which was pursuing Chinese academics who they believed were under the influence of China or doing spying or other influence operations for China. It was started under the Trump administration. It brought several cases. It had some controversies. The FBI stubbed its toe, made some mistakes, but it had found some real schemes of Chinese influence being exercised through academic institutions where China money was moving in. And the Biden Justice Department gets a letter from the faculty at University of Pennsylvania. And within a couple of weeks in February of 2022, it shuts it down. It shuts down this incredibly important tool. And what's most stunning about this, these are the story we're going to have on the website tomorrow morning. This shutdown occurs just a few weeks after the FBI director, Chris Ray, gives a speech saying China's espionage threat is greater than ever before. The FBI needs more tools, not less. And then the Biden Justice Department shuts down the FBI's most successful, one of its most successful Chinese espionage counter programs. That story we're going to lay out, the timing of money, the timing of correspondence, the timing of the CEFC deal, what Patrick Ho was doing. I'll bring out one other thing. Patrick Ho was the CEFC business partner of Hunter Biden. He gets arrested, indicted, eventually convicted. One of the things he was convicted of was trying to 
facilitate a deal or deals that got around the Iran sanctions. He was trying to help Iran get access to something in violation of the sanctions. What is one of the pieces of intelligence that we are now told Joe Biden had in his office? It was about Iran, something that would be interesting to Patrick Cobe, the business partner of Hunter Biden. Now, long way to go, but these are the sort of questions investigators, Justice Department, Congress have to address. And that's why in the final segment today, we're going to have a good conversation with Phil Klein, the former Attorney General of Kansas. We'll also ask John Bolton about the shutdown of this China program. I suspect he's very concerned, like the FBI agents I talked to are, about the closing of that program. But that's what we got in store for you for the show. Don't go anywhere. When we come back from the commercial break, former UN ambassador, former national security advisor, maybe future presidential candidate, John Bolton will be in the House right after these messages. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick house nutrition and of course field of greens all you got to do to take advantage of this offer visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code just news that's promo code just news at fieldofgreens.com don't wait go to fieldofgreens.com today use the promo code just news for 15 percent off all right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest, he doesn't need any introduction, but we'll do it anyways. He's the former United Nations ambassador, 
former national security advisor to President Trump and really one of the most influential thinkers in the security policy space in the last half century. He is Ambassador John Bolton. Mr. Ambassador, great to have you back on the show. Glad to be back with you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and a very busy start to the new year. A lot of people thinking about Asia and the Pacific Rim and China's influence. A big moment in the House yesterday, Republicans and Democrats jointly go about and vote for a select committee on the China threat. This is a Democratic Party whose president not too long ago, back in 2019, said, oh, China's not a problem. They're our friend. Don't worry about them. What message did Democrats joining Republicans in creating that special committee send to the president, to the world? Well, I think it's a very important point because I, I was quite surprised at how many Democrats joined along in, in that vote. And I think it reflects the growing appreciation that uh, China uh, is, is now understood to be a threat across the board for the U.S. and its friends and allies in the 21st century, not just military, but political and economic. And, and uh, what this select committee un under the chairmanship of Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin, an excellent choice, I think, uh, will be to highlight all this. And to me, this is uh, this is part of uh, very important work that Congress can do in helping inform the American people about threats around the world. So there's a big opportunity here, big responsibility for this select committee. Uh, but I think it says to China, uh, the days when you followed the policy of what they called hide and bide, hide your capabilities and bide your time is over. And we're on to it and we're going to do what we need to protect Americans from the threat they pose. A big moment in this theater. Japanese officials are ready here later in the week. The president is going to meet with Prime Minister Kishida. This is a big moment because Japan is really stepping up and playing a larger role in the security apparatus that America needs in the Pacific. Talk about the growing alliances, the growing military capabilities that are coming together just in advance of this meeting. Well, we're seeing a whole lot of things uh, over the course of the last six months or so. The, the most noteworthy uh, just within the past uh, 10 days is Japan announcing that they were going to more than double their defense budget in the next five years, uh, bringing it up to 2% of their gross domestic product, which is uh, the NATO target level, of course. But when Japan increases that much, and at, particularly when you think of a growing Japanese economy, that that's a big, that's a big percentage increase, but a big uh, uh, in currency terms, an even bigger increase. Japan, at that point, if they succeed, will be the third largest military in the world after the U.S. and China. And speaking of signals to China, that's a very big signal. Earlier. Uh, uh, just before that announcement, uh, the the Japanese uh, Ministry of uh, Defense also said basically they were going to buy a very substantial amount of Tomahawk uh, cruise missiles, which uh, depending on which block they buy, but but most of the Tomahawks from a position in Japan obviously can hit anywhere on the Korean Peninsula and can also reach Beijing. So uh, this this is the mark of a country that appreciates it's under threat now. I think if you ask most Japanese, they would say that they would view an attack on Taiwan by China as an attack on Japan. So this is a, a really a, a, a time for a grand strategy conversation between uh, uh, the Japanese and the United States, and and uh, really big opportunity. And uh, you know we should we should obviously be extending well beyond Japan. We've got a lot of friends. In the Indo-Pacific, very concerned about China, uh, and I think it's it's an opportunity for a real American leadership role. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. It was a year ago this month, actually, Chris Ray, the FBI director, gave a speech at the Reagan Center, and he talked about how threatened America was by China's espionage activities going all across academia, corporate America, inside the United States government. Less than three weeks after he gave that speech, Joe Biden and the Justice Department shut down the China initiative that the Trump administration had started, that the FBI had called one of its most important tools. We're going to report tomorrow that the shutdown, the order to close down that program came about three weeks after Joe Biden's old employer, the University of Pennsylvania, sent a letter to justice saying, you need to shut this down. It's racist and all the things that you would expect the university to say. The fact that the president of the United States and his attorney general would shut down a program less than a month after the FBI director was saying how important that program was. What message has that sent over the last year in fighting the China threat? Well, I think it's a huge mistake. Uh, there's, uh, let's take the racism issue head on here. It, it obviously has nothing to do with race. This is this is uh, uh, there's there's long been uh, great relations between the people of China and the people of the United States. In the past 70 plus years, it's been the communist government of China that's been the problem. And they're the ones that were conducting the espionage. They've been all over American universities with the Confucius centers. Uh, you know, uh, Gina Haspel, who was the director of the CIA in the Trump administration, a career intelligence official, said that China's influence operations in the United States far surpassed anybody else, uh, obviously including uh, Russia. And that that that's not the real uh, espionage efforts, but just the influence operations alone. So I think that uh, uh, th- this is something that uh, we're going to face increasingly. It's part of the Chinese threat. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of people uh, have just misunderstood the nature of, of why this concern exists. It has nothing to do with the question of race. And I think when people get off on that, they're distracting the American people from the significant strategic uh, dilemma that we have here. So I think this is something I, I hope one of the things this new select committee will do will be to look into this and to talk about the Chinese influence operations in the United States and, and why we need to protect against them. It's it's an effort to influence uh, not just specific election results, but to change American public opinion. And as far as the universities go, you know, my own alma mater, Yale, is under investigation. Uh, at least it was. I don't know if it still is, but maybe they've dropped the investigation. But for misreporting money that uh, it received from the Chinese government and and, uh, and perhaps through cutouts from the Chinese government. I can tell you there are faculties on a lot of American universities who would much rather take money from China than they would from conservative business people. Uh, so this this is, uh, we, we shouldn't kid ourselves about how sophisticated this Chinese effort is and, and what willing audiences they have on some university campuses. Yeah, there's no doubt. When you look at what we now know about Hunter Biden, the forgivable loan from China, the helping Hennage's defense contractor get sold to China, the trip on Air Force Two, 2017, the big guy discussions for it when they're going out trying to set up a program with China to buy up natural gas in America and send it over to energy thirsty China. Any doubt in your mind that China was running an influence operation on the Biden family? 
Well, I think they're running influence operations that, that we haven't even begun to conceive of yet. And uh, so we, we now have one of the oversight committees in the House. We'll be looking specifically into Hunter Biden and and, uh, and any possible connection from the president. And uh, I think this is one where, you know, the, the, you, you investigate this without fear or favor and the, the facts will fall where they may and the American people can make up their minds. Yeah, that's the best part about it. Facts are a good thing. That's what we need more of. You have been such a cogent voice in protecting the secrets of this nation, been consistent all through your career. You're highly respected in the intelligence community for your diligence in making sure that we protect information. Revelation that Joe Biden had some documents in a closet that were classified top secret, kind of like what we saw at Mar-a-Lago. Two presidents, two similar circumstances. What does it say about the ability to keep our secrets safe? Well, it's it's uh, very disturbing, and you know this is a case where uh, people can can find differences. There are differences between the two cases, but the fact is, you've got uh, a vice president leaves office and has classified documents that are found later. A president who leaves office with with uh, significantly more documents, although we don't know exactly how many Biden had. I, I think there are some holes here that need to be plugged very quickly. The transition process is obviously not effective in screening out classified documents to keep them. Uh, it also says something about lax habits uh, when, it, when it comes to secure information. Uh, look, ev- everybody can make mistakes. Things happen by accident. It's not, it's not a question of, uh, of, of singling anybody out here. I, I just think, uh, uh, I hope one of the things that this new oversight we're going to get from Congress will find ways that, uh, that will allow us to be sure that people take the, the responsibilities of having a security clearance uh, more seriously than they apparently do. That's really it. It starts with a cultural appreciation that when you're given that clearance, you have the obligation to protect what's given to you. There also seems to be a very simple thing, and I've wondered about this because you've been in this process. It seems as though agencies will know when they've given a president or a vice president classified documents. Shouldn't there be a tracking system that makes it easy to get them back or to know where they are and to make sure that they don't fall forgotten and sit in a closet or in a in a box at Mar-a-Lago? It seems to me the intelligence community could create an easy tracking system that would make this a lot more proactive. Well, we've certainly got to do something. I mean, in the case of the National Security Council, there's a there's a whole system. Whatever we send into the president, and a lot of it's classified decision memos where you need an answer from the president or even information memos that the documents come back out. But uh, in in many administrations. People will walk into the Oval Office with classified information, leave it there, and and there's not there's not a good system to track that. So I think I think we've all got to be more responsible, and uh, uh, there there are a lot of lessons to be learned. I'll give you one example. I, I would just say that it's not just in the NSC offices in the West Wing where cell phones ought to be put in little boxes during the course of the day. I don't think anybody in the West Wing should have a a non-secure cell phone. And uh, that may upset the press people. Uh, then they can go to a different part of the White House complex. We've We've got to button this down, I think, across the board. Yeah, no doubt about it. And iWatches and all those other devices, too, because they're all penetratable. So important. Last question, because you are such a sage voice on Iran. It does seem like the Biden administration has walked away from the nuclear deal talks. That's probably a good thing. The idea that Israel might have to act on its own, knowing how close Iran is to actually having the capability. Does that play out in 2023? And what would you expect Benjamin Netanyahu and Joe Biden to do in that circumstance? 
Well, you know, with Netanyahu back as Israeli prime minister, you've got somebody in charge there who is as knowledgeable about Iran's threat as anybody in the world, literally, and and who has the backbone, if necessary, to do what it takes to protect Israel. And, and by the way, that means protecting the United States fr- from the Iranian nuclear threat. Now, we're confronted with this amazing uh, over three months long now demonstrations in Iran against the regime. I think the regime's in the weakest position it's been since it took office in uh, 1979 by coup. Uh, you know, they're they're now brutally repressing it, hanging people in public, uh, putting them up on hanging them from cranes and leaving them in public view. Uh, I think this may have a temporary effect of pushing the demonstrations uh, off the streets, but it's hardened the minds of the people. They know they need regime change. And, and I think the first preference ought to be to see if there aren't ways that uh, – uh, interested Arab states, Israel, the United States can quietly help the opposition in Iran out so that the people ultimately can take control of the country instead of the Ayatollahs. Yeah, in supporting that, I know Biden was very slow to embrace the protests. There's been some moderate encouragement now coming out. Other countries probably doing a better job of it. But the U.S. has a strategic interest in supporting the people of Iran through these protests, speaking up and, and making sure that they can succeed, correct? Absolutely. And and I I don't think it's a question of expenditure of a lot of money at all. I think it's communications equipment and other assistance. Uh, I think this this, uh, opposition to the regime in Tehran is very widespread. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a, a direct ideological challenge to the legitimacy of the Ayatollahs. It's not just about a dress code. And when you lay these protests on top of the economic discontent in the country that's been there, especially over the last five or six years, it's very volatile. And I think the regime knows it's in trouble. And uh, this this is not a moment to to let them slip free. Yeah, no, it was interesting to see President Obama have some reflection that maybe he missed that opportunity in '09. Always good when a president goes back and realizes I could have been a little more assertive back then. Certainly you were encouraging it back in 09, but I thought that was a pretty remarkable moment last fall where Obama. Yeah, very interesting. Mr. Ambassador, it's always a great honor to have you on the show. Thank you for this really important update. We're going to be watching closely. Quick question for you. Where are you in the process of deciding whether you're going to run for president in 2024? Well, I'm still thinking about it. There were some reports I had declared to a London TV audience. I can tell you if I do declare, it won't be to a foreign audience. It will be to Americans. And nev- never underestimate the creativity of the British press. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, that's good to know. Well, I know a lot of people are excited that you are thinking about it. That's a good thing. All right, sir. Thanks so much for your time today. We're going to have you back on real soon, but really enjoyed it. Sounds good. Thanks again. All right, folks. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we've got a great conversation with former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman right after after this. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time 
IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest, well, she needs really no introduction, former presidential candidate, former member of Congress, currently the dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University in my home state of Virginia. Joining us right now, Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. Good to have you on, Congresswoman. John, it's always great to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. It is an honor to have you on. You have been such a sage voice on foreign policy and national security for so long. And we step back just in the last couple of weeks. We've had these extraordinary moments. Joe Biden's trip to Mexico, all that's going on at the border. Tell us your assessment of what came out of this trip and what we should be watching for. Well, the president's trip was really about his political fortunes. It had nothing to do with the American people's security and safety with an extremely dangerous and violent open border. So it was sad and pathetic to see how a Potemkin village, a fake city, was erected. This is the cleanest El Paso has been in months. So this is about himself. It wasn't about us. And it's so sad. I don't even know if the president fully even realized how pathetic that visit was and the message that he sent, because the message that he sent to the world is that he's not serious. He's not serious about this border. The border remains wide open. And in fact, his goal is to have amnesty of tens of thousands of individuals every month. And so all he did is widen the magnet for people to come to America. There are 8 billion people in the world, and most likely quite a few of them would like to be called U.S. citizens. So we're only going to continue to see this ongoing humanitarian tra- travesty that's coming across our border. But also people need to remember, this is bankrupting the American people and destroying local small towns and communities all over the American map. It's truly tragic. It really is remarkable to see what has transpired in the last two years. And when you talk to the Border Patrol, they're beleaguered. They know that their both hands are now tied behind their back. There's been a temporary reprieve in the sense that the Supreme Court is going to take up Title 42. But absent further court action, your projection is that this border crisis is only going to keep accelerating, correct? 
Well, yes, I, I've been to the border myself multiple times. I've gone on many different congressional trips. I've gone with other members of Congress, just ourselves to go down because you, you almost can't believe how bad it is. And to think that over 5 million illegal aliens have crossed just in Joe Biden's tenure, 5 million. I'm from the state of Minnesota. That's about our state population. He's let in over 5 million in two years. That doesn't include the getaways. That doesn't include legal immigration. The United States accepts more people legally through immigration than any other country in the world, well over a million a year. So our nation is being completely rewritten. And you have people who are coming where they can't afford to live in their own country. And so if they can't make it in a third world country where they're living on one and two dollars a day and they come to the United States, how are they ever going to pay rent in America? How are they ever going to buy food? How are they ever going to pay for medical care? The answer is they won't. And Joe Biden knows this. The answer is we're paying for it. The middle class is paying for this inflow of poverty stricken people coming from around the world. On one sense, you can say this is a great philanthropic compassion project. On the other hand, it's not very compassionate to the people in the United States who have to pay for this level of immigration. And, and look, this isn't happening to China. This isn't happening to Russia. This isn't happening to India. This is happening to the Western democracies. And this is by design. We shouldn't think that this is random or happenstance. This is by design. This is intended to bankrupt the, Amer the Western democracies, the UK, uh, Europe, the United States, this is this is purposeful. This is intentional to bankrupt us. You served in the Congress. You know the power of the purse. You used it effectively when you were a member. What can the new Republican majority under Speaker Kevin McCarthy do to use the power of the purse to tie down Joe Biden, force him to just abide by the laws around the book? You don't even need to pass new laws. If he just were to enforce the current laws, we wouldn't have the problem we're in what will this new Congress do to finally put some pressure on Joe Biden on the border? Well, John, the first signals that we're getting out of the Republican-controlled House are excellent. I've been thrilled with the new rules package. We have the House Freedom Caucus members to thank the 20 who bravely, courageously stood up and said, we're not going to go along with the usual way that things are done here. We have to change. And so we had one of the most brilliant exercises last week, where we, which resulted, yes, in Kevin McCarthy being the speaker, but more importantly, the rules of the House are ones that benefit us, the American people. These are rules that we used to have 20 years ago. So this isn't anything radical. These are the, year, the rules that Congress used to operate under, and it's that we're not going to just pass these giant $1.7 trillion bills to run the government. We're actually going to go department by department and look through the spending and curtail bad spending. So, for instance, at the, at the southern border, we won't be funding things that would hurt America, and we will fund things that will help America. The best example that we had, John, was the fact that the House passed a resolution or they passed a, a bill to defund the 87,000 IRS agents. That's fabulous. When you go one piece at a time, that's when the most change comes because you get to defund the really bad initiatives that the Democrats put in place in the last few years. 
So I'm very excited about what I'm already beginning to see happen in Congress. Yeah, it's an extraordinary moment. The other side of the Congress, Mitch McConnell, not always been that strong on immigration or China (laughs) or reigning in spending. Does he go through a metamorphosis? Does the House shame him into being more fiscally and security conservative? What do you think he does? Or does he, I had an interview yesterday with President Trump where he basically just said, listen, Mitch McConnell undercuts our messaging because he's a big spender and he really is a pro-China guy. He's really undercutting all the good momentum we have in the party. Now they have a beef between them, but there's some truth to that. What does the House do to deal with Mitch McConnell? I think exactly what Kevin McCarthy is saying. He had said that he had a conversation with Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans. And he said, you need to do your work. You need to work on one bill at a time and pass it one bill at a time, because if an omnibus bill comes over 1.7 trillion, a big blob of a bill, we're not taking it up. We're not passing it. So that was very important that Kevin McCarthy sent that message to manage expectations. I think that from Mitch McConnell's perspective, he is taking a measure of Kevin McCarthy to see if he really means it or not. And so that's where the House Republicans are going to have to actually act on what they said they were going to do and try and tie Mitch McConnell's hands. And if you look at Mitch McConnell, I don't think he enjoys a wide berth of support among the Republican base or among a lot of people. The donor class are all for him. The lobbyists are all for him. But he doesn't have a big base anymore. One thing politicians need to realize is they have a window of time on the stage, the political stage. I don't think Mitch McConnell understands that his time is over and people don't want his kind of back scratching politics, big spending politics. People are done with that. And I I would hope, uh, with all due respect, that Mitch McConnell will just recognize and leave. I think even to leave now in his term would be wise and to hand the reins over. You've got a Senator Rick Scott of Florida. You've got other candidates who would do well to lead the Republicans in the Senate. We've taken a dramatic turn in the House, and it would go well for the Republicans in the Senate if they would take that lead and recognize if you want to change America, you have to change what you do in the Senate. And I think the momentum is there for that because the bravery and strength of those 20 courageous members of the House who actually changed the rules last week. So we have a great opportunity. And I think there are those in the Republican Senate who would take that lead. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. And so you really would like to see Mitch McConnell step down, get out of the way, let a new generation that's more aligned with the American people serve. That's where you stand right now when you look at the situation. I do. And that's with thanks and appreciation for everything that he did to get President Trump Uh, brilliant judges through the process. We all appreciate that. But America no longer has the appetite for big spending simply because we can't. We're looking at a a broke treasury. People's lives aren't aren't doing well privately because government is stealing their money and spending it. And so people really do want a change. And I hope that Mitch McConnell will take the hint and, uh, and enjoy the rest of his life with his wife quietly in Kentucky, and um, we wish him well. I, I think that that's exactly what President Tr- Tr- former President Trump was saying 
And I think that the Republican base would agree with that. There are a lot of people that feel that way. I've interviewed so many of them in the last few months. It's an interesting moment in the party's history. You have been a cogent voice on China, encountering the threat that China poses to American superiority in the military economic space. In January of last year, Chris Ray, a year ago this month, Chris Ray gave a speech at the Reagan Center saying the China threat is the single largest counterintelligence threat that we face. Academia are the leading edge of how China spies on American. A few days after that speech, University of Pennsylvania, where Joe Biden used to collect a salary at the Penn Center, writes a letter to the Justice Department saying, shut down the FBI's China initiative investigation. And then a few weeks after that, the Justice Department does shut it down, basically defying the very concerns that the FBI had of Chris Ray. Academia, China, the China Initiative, Joe Biden's willingness to allow that or complicity in shutting down one of the FBI's tools on China espionage. Your thoughts on that? Well, when I served on the Intelligence Committee in Congress, we did a year-long study, and the conclusion was that the Chinese espionage was the worst of any nation on Earth. They had successfully penetrated nearly every bureaucracy in the United States government. And they had implanted themselves in almost every aspect of American life, whether it's academic, cultural, government, financial. The communist Chinese had declared war against the United States, and they had done it in an undercover stealth manner. But they've been extremely successful. So everyone knows that they have stolen not only America's governmental and military secrets, they have successfully stolen our commercial secrets. So we'll send our government and our corporations have effectively been China's research and development. So they've stolen all the research and development that America has done, and they stole it without any repercussions. And they've been able to leap forward in almost every area of development in Chinese life because they stole American technology and American information. And part of what you had stated in the academic realm, the Chinese have infiltrated themselves throughout various academic institutions, getting involved in our research, then stealing the research. We know this. This is proven. They steal our research and it goes right back to China to be used against us to shut us down. Now, only a blithering idiot would allow this to continue? Who would allow their enemy to continue to equip themselves so that they can ultimately defeat us? The fact that the Biden administration called off the dogs on investigating and stopping this Chinese espionage only leads to one conclusion, and that's why. And in the face of all the evidence of the Biden family, Hunter Biden, James Biden, Um, the, The family that was involved in actual deals with the Chinese and then the designation that Joe Biden was supposedly the big guy who received 10 percent of all of the income that Hunter Biden was bringing into the family, selling access to the family, to the communist Chinese. We know this. There's really no other conclusion that can be brought other than the family has been tainted. And so that the Joe Biden cares more about his own family and keeping his own grift machine going 
than he does selling American secrets and American corporations down the river. This is unbelievable what's happening. And he really, Joe Biden should have been impeached very early on in his administration. But of course, he couldn't because the Democrats controlled all branches of government. So today we'll see what happens. And I do believe the House Republicans, they've got a lot of work to do. But I do believe that one of those investigations will be to expose to the American people even more broadly how sick the Biden family personally is involved in receiving grift, whether it's through Ukraine, which Ukraine is the most corrupt country in Europe. I visited Ukraine several times on different trips. They are corrupt. They are poor. And it appears that Ukraine was a money laundering operation for U.S. money. And if I can just deviate and say that it was shocking to me just prior to the election to think that you have one of the poorest countries in Europe that's engaged in a war, that they would have enough money from the United States giving them money, that they would literally have tens of billions of dollars sitting around that they could invest in buying cryptocurrency from FTX. I mean, that's impossible to believe. It'd even be more corrupt than anyone could imagine. And then that money, in turn, ends up in the pockets to fund campaigns for Democrats. The, the level of corruption in the Biden administration is off the chart. And I think the American people, because of the suffering that individuals are going through, uh, they are demanding change. They're demanding that this stop, and rightfully so. And I think it's only because, John, of outlets like yours, that the people even are knowing any of this information. You're not going to get this in mainstream media. You're not going to get this in mainstream social media. But that's why organizations like John Solomon's Just the News are actually a, a, a doing a tremendous public service to this country because it's very difficult to find the truth, and that's what you're doing. Thank you so much. Yeah, the truth matters, and we got to get these facts out there so the public can be more informed. That's what you've done your whole career and continue to do. There's a warning sign, I think, for Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden, during the 2020 campaign, looked in the camera and said, listen, China's not a problem for us. And, of course, obviously, we know that's not true. The FBI director says it's not true. The head of PAC fleet says it's not true inside the Pentagon. Yesterday, there's an incredible bipartisan moment that Kevin McCarthy is able to orchestrate where they approve a select committee on the China threat. And the majority of Democrats join all the Republicans in approving that. I think it was about 350 votes in favor of it. The Democratic Party has sent a message that as a whole, it is more concerned about China than Joe Biden has been willing to express. How important a moment was that to have that bipartisan vote yesterday? It was an extremely important moment. Uh, Kevin McCarthy said that he had an agreement with Nancy Pelosi when she was speaker that they were going to pass this bill. And then she pulled it at the last minute for whatever reason. She pulled it. Probably she was told from those who are higher up than she is that she needed to. Who knows? I wasn't there. But the fact that you got Democrats and Republicans to come together and essentially admit to a global audience that China is a problem for the United States is the first giant step toward rectifying this abuse that has happened from the Chinese government to the United States. This is a punchback so that the United States won't be a punching bag for China. This is a great first step because I think that as this committee 
is being set up to look into the abuses of China. I think the Democrats want to be on the right side of history on this because they recognize this is not just a problem for um, Republicans. This is a problem for Democrats, this Chinese abuse. And so I think now this will come to light. And I think this will be a step. Hopefully it won't be too late. (laughs) But I'm grateful that at least now at this point, we're going to establish this committee and get the information out to the American people and embarrass and shame the Chinese government for what they have done to the United States. It is a remarkable moment for all of us to have a reckoning that we've been waiting for for a long time. You have been a champion of liberty for so long. You're treating, you're training and educating a whole new generation of champions of liberty. But we're in a moment now where we saw the generation that just came up, the Gen Z slash millennial generation, that they have felt comfortable in these big tech companies working with the FBI, working with the Homeland Security Department, the CDC, to censor Americans' opinions. Our founding fathers never could have imagined this. I mean, that's why they said, hey, government should never abridge free speech rights. We have both federal agencies and young people and tech companies that saw absolutely nothing wrong with that. How do we reverse that mindset that somehow free speech, that the best way to handle someone you don't agree with is to censor their speech rather than to have a debate? How do we start to unfurl that philosophy that seems to have gotten into a whole generation of Americans? What you're identifying is really the existential question and the crisis of our day. That's what we're at Regent University and specifically at the Robertson School of Government. That's what we're trying to address. I will tell you, it's almost impossible for me to even hire a PhD anymore in government who understands America's true founding. If you look at the primary source documents, the actual writings of the founders and the people who wrote the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and who built up our nation into the most magnificent nation ever seen in 5,000 years of recorded human history. How did we get that way? We didn't get to success just by ourselves. We got to success because we followed principles that work. Now, all of a sudden, there's a completely different mindset that's completely divorced from what has got us to success. This new mindset is really a mindset of failure. Sometimes it's called woke, but it's an ideology that seems to be based in more Marxist principles, totalitarian government principles. That's not what America was. And so the, the ideas that got us to great success and to this magnificent nation that are being shunned, those aren't being taught in K-12 schools. They aren't being taught primarily in higher ed anymore. So there's a few bastions out there of different schools that are teaching success and American greatness. And so I really want to encourage parents and students, look for schools where where you're actually going to learn something, where you're not going to be indoctrinated into a cult of totalitarianism and Marxism. That's never going to get you to success. That's only going to get you to failure. We have a living laboratory of the last 100 years of the misery and poverty that Marxism and totalitarianism have wrought. It's freedom that has brought success. And that's been the number one word to describe America. We're not giving up. We are not cursing the darkness. We are lighting a candle because if we can follow principles and ideas that work, that will lead the way for America to return to success. 
And so I'm, I'm excited. I'm not in despair. I'm excited because we are working to create. My goal is to graduate 100 PhDs who understand the, the true concepts of founding and of America's founding. And that's why it's so important, the work that we're doing at Regent, to pour into this next generation so they understand our true history. They understand what got us to success. And they also understand the enemy. They understand what the, the true misery and death that totalitarian regimes have brought. So once people know what the truth is, they cling to it and they run with it. And just like we saw last week, John, 20 people changed the United States Congress. And so I, I have the belief that 100 PhDs who understand our true government can go out as leaders in our government and help to change the government. Such an important dialogue to be having, and particularly with the next generation of Americans coming out of college now. That's why I know you're playing such an important role at Regent University, as you have all through your public service in this great country. Congresswoman, what a great honor it was to have you on the show today. Look forward to getting you on back soon. A lot of big issues on the horizon in 2023. Thank you so much, John. God bless you. You as well. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come right back right after these messages. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. I've been working really hard on the Joe Biden document, classified documents, and of course, the larger story of Hunter Biden in China, and they intersect in these new revelations today. And I wanted to turn to someone I trust so much. He has one of the greatest legal minds in the profession, former attorney general of Kansas, current head of the Amistad Project, which did all of that historic work on election integrity, including exposing what Mark Zuckerberg's intervention in the election looked like and what it was doing in 2020. Joining us right now, my good friend, Phil Klein. Phil, great to have you on the show. Great to be with you, John, and thanks for your work on this story. Yeah, it's important, and it's sort of funny that all things Biden always go back to the money operation that was around the vice president for the decade he was in office. China, Ukraine, you name it, it's all intersected. And you see now that it isn't just that there are these classified documents found in a closet in, a, in an insecure think tank room, but it's a university that was getting a lot of China money as it was hiring Joe Biden. Joe Biden gets $900,000. The standing up of this entire operation occurs at a moment when Hunter Biden is also trying to do a big energy business deal with these guys, CEFC, in China, of which one of his partners, Patrick Ho, ultimately gets indicted for bribery on an unrelated transaction. Money, 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 China, 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 and now classified documents. 
you've been at the top of one of the most important law enforcement organizations, the Attorney General's office. What should Attorney General Garland be doing right now? Well, first of all, it's important to recognize, and hopefully General Garland does, that are not investigations are not speculating as to answers, especially speculating as to answers that give a reasonable excuse for what happened. Investigations are demanding answers to reasonable questions that derive from the facts that you know. And so let's look at the facts. And John, you mentioned it, a private office. Private office is much less secure than homes where an unlimited, a lot of people have keys to a private office. Your building superintendent, your former and future tenants, um, your, your custodial staff, these documents were abandoned for up to two years and Biden is claiming that he pays attorneys $800 an hour to clean out closets for him. Now, the documents also were limited in... You're not buying that explanation that his lawyers were just tidying up the office. It raises questions, right? Um, so you also have this. The documents were limited in number and confined to certain topics, Ukraine and China. That is evidence of specific intent to possess these documents by one who doesn't have the authority to declassify. You compare that to Trump. Trump had the authority to declassify, and the documents were consistent with the harried effort in transfer of power and exiting an office, not with specific necessary intent that might prove malfeasance. Now you look at why should you have top secret documents involving China and Ukraine. We know that during the time those documents are possessed in the Biden office, his explanation of surprise or exclamation of surprise is more damaging to him than it is um, exculpatory because it shows he was either reckless or he didn't expect them to be discovered, one or the other. With Trump, he could declassify. In both cases, you have them working with authorities, but in Biden's, you have them concealing it from the public till after the midterm elections. Now, this is during a time that Hunter's negotiating with CCP officials on investment business in China, during a time where he's on the Burisma board for part of it and received $11 million for that service. And while Biden is paid a million dollars in salary from the think tank, that received $54 million from China. So, John, it doesn't take much of an investigator to know what the reasonable questions are. Now, here's my problem with what General Garland has done to this point. He appointed a special prosecutor with broad scope of authority on Trump. Investigate anything relating to these documents and anything relating to questioning the election in January 6th. Here, he has only appointed two separate subordinates in two separate offices, and they have limited scope. The way you kill an investigation is you isolate information rather than build relationships in it. It's like if we were investigating a bank robbery, and I hired one guy to look at the getaway driver, and I hired another guy who rented the, to look at the guy who rented the getaway car, and I put them in different offices, and they didn't collaborate. Well, one would come back and say the driver didn't know he was driving to a bank robbery, and the other would come back and say the guy who rented the car didn't know he was going to use it. They were going to use it in a bank robbery. In other words, you don't get to the truth unless you have a broad scope of authority to seek answers 
to those reasonable questions. And Garland has not given that authority to anybody. That's why he must appoint a special counsel on this. He must, or he is revealing his hand that he's seeking to bury all this evidence for the person that, against the person who appointed him. It is remarkable because a lot of senators like Ron Johnson and others, they've been pressing for a special counsel just to look at the Hunter Biden stuff for quite some time. I mean, we now know that the United States government has known since at least 2019 when they got the Hunter Biden laptop because we have a copy of the exact replica that the FBI has and we've been able to authenticate it that Hunter Biden knew in 2014, 15, 16, his own lawyers told him you weren't paying money on taxes you had gotten from the Burisma company in Ukraine. So Hunter Biden knew he hadn't paid and he still wasn't paying. seems like that's a very simple case for a, a prosecutor to make. Four years later, it hasn't still been made. A lot of people pressing. But now there's an intersection, right? Because you've got this documents in a privately funded entity that is funded by the same country that also was funding his son and his family's business. It seems to me this is a no-brainer, and yet already three months have passed because the Justice Department's known about this since November. How concerned are you by the delay? The fact that the government knew on November 2nd, it didn't mention it before the election, didn't mention it when they named the Trump prosecutor on the 18th. It only gets out because of a media leak. Kind of concerning there was a two-month gap where Marilyn Garland could have told us, hey, we've got another problem, America. Let's deal with it. I'm, I'm deeply concerned. This attorney general has acted inconsistently with just general principles as it relates to conflict of interest, repeatedly, um, which increasingly demonstrates a weaponization of the Department of Justice. I mean, think, think about this, and you know this, you helped break the story, John, when you go back to Garland's claim that he wasn't in communication with the White House or anybody as it relates to his decision to go after those who, parents who attend school board meetings. when. His children are profiting from some of the woke uh, 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 teaching curriculums that are in the school district. Now, clearly, he shouldn't have been involved in any of that, but he showed a personal conflict of interest there that he was unwilling to address. Additionally, you move now to the Presidential Papers Act. The reality, John, is nobody should be criminally charged under that act of a, a president, neither Biden nor um, President Trump. It's an administrative act to help these parties get together and work things out. What should be charged is political co corruption, trading access to America's power for money is what the Hunter Biden story is all about. It's what his artwork is all about. All of these things point towards the need for a serious investigation there. And Garland has ignored it. They've talked about taxes. They've talked about gun registration. Additionally, he has appointed a subordinate to look at it. The special counsel's law was passed to address instances where the AG's office is called to investigate serious allegations against somebody in authority over the DOJ. In other words, the president. And you're telling me that an investigation of his son can be conducted with the oversight of the appointee of the president? Clearly not. Now you add this, and Garland still is not appointing a special counsel? Now, conversely, he's used the special counsel law against Trump. Special counsel law wasn't designed for these instances. 
of investigating the Presidential Papers Act, but he has done it and given broad authority, anything and everything related to. So his conduct is deeply concerning. If you're in Congress here, Republicans, you've got these new oversight committees. What are the most important things they can do to ensure transparency to the public, accuracy to the public, and keep appropriate pressure on Garland? No one wants political pressure on Garland. They want appropriate pressure for him to do the right thing. What can the new congressional committees do to make sure that that happens and we get justice and that President Trump and President Biden are treated the same way? Because that's really what the law and our founding fathers intended. Yeah. I, you, you know, it's, it's going to be a, an investigation into the weaponization of DOJ, which is what they're talking about. But it also needs to expand. For example, John, they're weaponizing um, uh, ethics rules and the professions and against uh, people who, who don't uh, kowtow to them. You, you've seen how Gordon Peterson in Canada is being sent to a re-education camp because he won't buy into certain things and they're threatening his license. I was one who was politically um, sanctioned because I would not go along and cover up evidence of wrongdoing by Planned Parenthood. Um, they are weaponizing professions and government against those who disagree with them. And it's consistent with their philosophy. You know, they believe they have all the answers. And if we would just get out of the way and let them run the, the entire show, and forget about these silly freedoms like freedom of speech and disassembly and disagreement, that they would make the world a better place. It's the tyranny of good intentions. It's Marxist philosophy. And it's time to push back. So getting in there and getting these communications about the collaboration between big tech and the, the intelligence community that influenced the election. And we know that. We know that private money and the cabal, the, the, the um, oligarchy of big tech and the administrative state were the main threats to an integral election in 2020. And they continue to be um, with converting government offices into Biden campaign turnout centers, um, flowing those private monies with changing search algorithms on Google and with silencing voices they disagree with. Congress has to have the courage to take all of that on. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It does need to, it needs that courage. It needs that strategic vision to make sure that they keep taking these things on and not get distracted by shiny objects that come along because there's a real opportunity to start to rein in and fix government, which is what I think most American voters are clamoring for. Phil, before we let you go, just real quickly, you are one of the most important sirens for keeping us informed on election integrity. What are the most important election integrity issues that we face at the start of 2023? Unfortunately, John, it's the same things that we faced <laughs> in 2020. They, they've just morphed. Deja vu all over again, right? Yeah, they've changed. We, we are, um, with the American Voters Alliance, we've established a grade card. We'll be releasing it over time here. But all of the swing states, for example, except one, get a C- minus or an F as it relates to private money and private vendors in elections. Government offices, we just saw this in Arizona. Arizona, and highly reliant Maricopa County on mail-in ballots in the Kerry Lake and Hobbs election, and they outsourced the treatment of those ballots to a private company. So in other words, the transparency laws weren't applicable, and Republicans couldn't see how those ballots were handled 
by that private organization. Um, that private organization is not subject to FOIA or open records requests or review. And so they continue to sidestep clear laws that require transparency. There are three key principles in an election. Transparency, accountability, the officials who manage the election have to be accountable for what they did, and these private organizations are not, and inclusion. Everybody has to be at the table. America needs to be in the counting room. We're continuing to kick America out. We're private outsourcing this, and now Biden is feeding government tax dollars to these leftist nonprofits that are running our elections. Yeah, such an important moment. There's no doubt that this is the time. we got to identify, catalog, execute, and get these things fixed because more and more Americans distrust the elections. That is a real problem, something we've really never had in our history until the last few years. We've got to get a beat on it as soon as possible. Phil, it's always an honor to have you on the show. We always learn a lot. You always bring clarity to the murky issues that the media and the establishment in Washington often don't address. And so I want to thank you so much. We're going to get you back on in a few weeks. we got a lot more things to be following there. Thank you, sir. Good to have you, sir. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you sticking with us. Three great interviews. A big thank you to John Bolton, Michelle Bachman, and Phil Klein. I think a lot of people are going to be reacting to Michelle Bachman's very direct call, very direct call, that Senate Minority Leader, Senate Republican Leader, Mitch McConnell, stepped down. That is a big moment. A prominent voice. She's not only a dean of a school right now, she's a former presidential candidate and an important member of Congress on the Intelligence Committee, other committees. She was very influential in her time in Congress, calling on one of the elders of the Republican Party to step aside. I think that's going to make some news tomorrow. And you heard it first right here on John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. All right, folks, have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Take a look for that story tomorrow morning. Nick Jeevis and I at Just the News are going to be writing that out. Important stuff. We'll have that for you in the morning. Until then, may God bless you. God bless this incredible country, the United States, as he always has. You know what you've been doing. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.